Last week, Paul's strategy was to pray for the people against this heresy. He didn't leave them at just praying. He also did. So he prayed for wisdom and knowledge, and then he taught them wisdom and knowledge. This week, in a manner of speaking, Paul sings a song to them. He's combating the Colossian heresy by singing to the church. Well, that shouldn't actually surprise us when the same apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5 that we are to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody with our hearts to the Lord. This is a part of our method. It's a part of our system. This is how we begin to change our hearts or our hearts become renewed more and more every day. We combat it through good theology and that good theology should be wrapped up in really good songs. So here's the conclusion of all of this. Modern day worship needs a lot of help. Can I get an amen? Amen. Why do I say this? It's not because modern day worship is not well produced. It is. It's probably better produced than any other other time in Christian history. It is also not because the melodies aren't singable. We got some really good melodies in the church today, don't we? Really good melodies sing along songs. They're singable. It's also not because people don't want to play skillfully to the Lord. We have some of the most talented musicians in the world in the church today. We do. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute fact. And the musicians around here are extremely talented. Amen. Modern worship needs help because we don't speak enough of the one who is preeminent. Yeah. Hear me, church. Listen. Edge of the seat. Please hear me. It is because we don't speak enough of the one who is preeminent. The criticisms that I hear concerning worship are mostly petty and superficial. It's a complaint about style. It's too many or it's too few lyrics. It's too repetitive. It's not repetitive enough. Somehow, somehow, we have made worship, we've turned the whole thing around and made worship all about us and our preferences. What in the world? What in the world is wrong with us? Guys, we need to get back to making Jesus the center of everything we sing and everything that we do. The questions that we should be concerned with, the questions that matter, are whether or not our songs magnify the preeminent Christ. Okay? What our songs should be concerned with are do they exalt his character? And listen, you can't exhaust his character. You can't. There's been book after book after book after book after book written about the character of God, and you can't get to the end of it. I highly encourage you to check out Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, but you will not exhaust your understanding of his character. But this is what our songs need. Do they show us that he is preeminent? I think they don't, and I think we need those songs. Do they speak in detail of what God alone has done? And listen, before I hurt somebody's feelings, I just want you to listen to me. Do they speak in detail of what God alone has done aside from the idea that he loves us Oh, he loves us. Oh, he loves us. Oh, he loves us. Oh, he loves us. You know why I call that out? Because we don't know what that word means anyway. We don't know what the word means. And so when we sing it and the church is supposed to see who Jesus is in the songs that we sing, they go, oh, he loves us. But the people who love me bite the big one. So I guess that's where God is too. No. No. He loves us is not enough in a skeptical, confused culture. 
What is enough is he is before all things. He is the head of all things. He is king. He is Jesus. He is the savior. And he's the only one you got coming. Trust him. That's what our songs need to say. If we don't address these issues, these problems, it's going to result in far worse than a generation with really junky songs. Right? It's going to end with a, a worse problem than you throwing out all your CDs from the 1990s. Okay? It's actually going to... All the way up to 2018. Okay, so anyway, right? It's more than just those terrible songs. The problem is that we have trivialized a tool that was designed to stave off apostasy. Worship. It was designed. The Apostle Paul employs it for this purpose. To stave off what? Losing their faith. Losing trust in Jesus, so he paints this picture of Jesus that's bigger than any one of us can imagine. Again, what did Tozer say? What comes into your mind when you think about God might predict with certainty the spiritual future of a man. And guess what? All we have to do is rewind 20 years ago, and we'll see where this chaos began. Not suggesting all of them. Simply telling you, the anthems we began to repeat on Christian radio nonstop, ad nauseum. The ones that we did... They didn't teach us anything. So we have a skeptical culture continuing to be a skeptical culture, continuing to be a skeptical culture. Tozer also said what comes into our mind when we think about God can foretell where the church will stand tomorrow. I don't want to get 20 years from now and find a more skeptical American church. I want to see revival. I want to see a turn Church, we have a responsibility, and we have to take this idea seriously. We can see where we're headed by the songs that we sing, and we need to use the tool that God intended. This week in Father's Group, we're spending our time in Jeremiah chapter 31. And God tells Jeremiah to say this to captive Israel, and specifically Israel against Judah, uh, over and against Judah. And here's what he says to, uh, here's what he says to Israel. He says, is Ephraim my dear son? If you know the story, you know the answer. Yes, sure, he is my dear son. Number two, is he a delightful child? If you know the story, you'd say, not so much. Not so much. He's not a delightful child. But look at what God says about Ephraim next. Is he a delightful child? Not so much. Indeed, as often as I have spoken against him, I certainly still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. And this is the instruction of the Lord. Set up for yourself road marks. Place for yourself guideposts. Direct your mind to the highway. In ancient Israel, it was piles of stone. They would always remember God had brought them through the Red Sea. God had brought them through the Jordan. God had brought them through all of these things inside of their life. And these served as markers. But what are our markers today? I would suggest not putting piles of stones in your yard. It's not going to make sense to anybody else. But I would suggest that you spend time looking for really good songs with really sound theology. Because those become the mile markers that point us back to the highway. Amen? This is what we need. 
God used this in the Old Testament. He uses this in the New Testament. We have mile markers. We have things that point us back to Jesus. And the promise comes right after that that says, the way by which you went, return, O virgin Israel, return to these, your cities. The promise is that God welcomes you back. God has called you back to this. Paul told the Ephesians this tool was what they needed to use, and we read that earlier. Paul presents to the Colossian church the same tool and sings that hymn to them with sound theology. The challenge for us today in the church, church, is to gain songs with sound theology. We have to get back to this idea. Because if we do, we hold the church right where she needs to be, looking only at the preeminent one. 